Welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast, coming up. And then when you really kind of like dig deeper and dig into the work and dig into all these reasons why you want to manifest these things, you know, you realize that actually gratitude is like, oh, the best thing in life but the presentness I mean like I said I really struggled to let go and surrender before and I just looking back I'm like how how did I live my life like no wonder <laughs> I was stressed no wonder I was unhappy like yeah. I wasn't present at all yet when I really like because I was very much in my masculine energy which is very much the manifesting energy mm-hmm. when I learned to embrace my divine feminine and really worked with my feminine energy I manifested from a whole new space of flow of ease and I was like oh my gosh like I wish I'd found this from the beginning I'm your host Danielle Collins and I'm the world leading face yoga expert best-selling author of the book Danielle Collins face yoga and creator of the international teacher training program the Danielle Collins face yoga method 17 years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing and serving millions of people in person, on TV and online to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it means so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert Podcast. Hi guys, how are you doing? This week I have got another amazing guest. I feel so blessed with the guests that come onto the Face Yoga Expert podcast. Such a diverse range of voices and knowledge and opinions. And this week I have got Emma Mumford. Now you may already be aware of Emma Mumford. She's an award-winning life coach and mentor. She's a best-selling author. She is a very renowned speaker. She's a Law of Attraction YouTuber. She's a podcast host of the very popular podcast, Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast. And what I always love hearing about most from people is their reason for what they do and their why. And Emma's why is very much about helping women step into who they truly are and to fearlessly turn their dream life into an abundant reality using manifestation, law of attraction and spirituality. And Emma talks us through exactly how we can manifest what we want, how we can work out what we want, how we can work through the things that we don't want and how we can live a life of complete joy. She also talks a lot about manifestation of wealth and money, but also we of course talk about well-being and feeling good because this is what this podcast is about. So it's such a great episode. And before we jump into this week's episode, I just want to tell you a little bit about some brand new products that we have on the website. So if you don't know already, I am a big fan of facial tools. So we have lots of lovely facial tools now on the website, faceyogaexpert.com slash shop. We have some gorgeous jade rollers, some rose quartz rollers, beautiful gua sha, precision gua sha, body gua sha, an amazing jade head comb, which is so good if you get a lot of head tension or headaches. And all of these products about naturally lifting the face. They work beautifully with Fusion by Danielle Collins, which is the lovely organic, plant-based, vegan, soil association accredited moisturizing serum which was made for us by such a great skincare specialist and it's honestly the best thing you can use with the facial tools the best thing you can use with face yoga and you can use it in place of your regular moisturizer if you find your regular moisturizer is getting to the point where it doesn't really do much it's probably because it's just sat on top of your skin hydrating your skin but not really getting down into the middle layer where the collagen elastin is because the molecules are just simply too big so fusion by daniel collins has got molecules which are small enough to get right into that middle layer of skin so you're really getting those regeneration of the cell benefits those plumping benefits and that real help with the collagen and elastin and it smells absolutely 
beautiful as well. I promise you, once you have your first bottle, you will be addicted. So you can go to faceyogaexpert.com slash shop and you'll see all those gorgeous products there. So let's get into this week's episode with Emma Mumford. I was thinking this morning about the things that I want to talk about on this podcast. And I think my list could have gone on about four pages long. I've kept into two pages of questions. And I want to start from the beginning and just know a little bit about your journey, because I know you've been through quite a lot of different careers, businesses to be where you are now. And obviously now you're a, a very successful author, blogger, YouTuber, life coach and all round spiritual queen. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey? When I was kind of 18, I got into banking and I was a banking manager and I, I was definitely never somebody who would have ever said I wanted to be a banker when I grew up. It was just, you know, I knew I didn't want to go to university. I knew that I was really passionate about having a business one day I had no idea what in but really passionate to follow in my dad's footsteps and one day have this business so I got myself into employment went through a few jobs ended up in the bank and then ended up with depression from working in the bank and the reason why I feel I got so depressed was because I loved talking to people I loved interacting and helping people but when you're in that environment you've got targets you've got this pressure to put people in debt and it just felt so wrong and it wasn't something that I wanted to be proud of or you know and it was really odd because it was like my family were so proud that I had this prestigious job and I thought I don't feel very proud at all. I don't feel happy at all. So I started having panic attacks and depressive episodes simply because of the fear of going to work. And at that time, I was with my kind of first serious ex-boyfriend and we kind of lived together and he'd accumulated debt over his kind of lifetime. So working in the bank, obviously I had like preferential rates and I was like, well, why don't I take a loan out to clear this debt for you and then you can pay it off each month. So being young and in love, like I was, I did that. And then he never paid a single penny. We split up and being 20, having debt. And obviously I then had to walk away from my banking job because I was just so depressed. I couldn't even get on the, you know, get on the bus to work each day. It really kind of like knocked me and I was like, what am I doing? Like, how have I ended up here? Because I've gone from having such a great job to then being depressed, you know, having to walk away from this job, quit. And then in 7,000 pounds worth of debt as well. So after that, I went back into retail once I'd kind of had some therapy and managed to kind of maintain my depression a bit and my anxiety. And retail really suited me just because I was able to communicate with people like, you know, have a nice, friendly, easygoing work environment because I'd been around targets and, and things like that for years, that kind of masculine environment, corporate environment. And I then started up to clear my debt. So I moved back in with my parents and I started up a money saving business. And at first it was definitely not a business. I just found couponing in my hour of need, um, which is extreme couponing. If anybody's thinking, what on earth is couponing? And it's a craze that the Americans absolutely love. And you might have seen the TLC show called Extreme Couponing, where all these people get all their thousands of dollars worth of groceries for free and have all these incredible stockpiles. And I loved this show because I just thought, well, this is a way to get myself out of debt. You know, I'm earning money, of course, but, you know, £7,000 was a lot more than my part-time retail job. So couponing really helped me to get out of debt and really turn my mindset around as well, have that positive focus in my life. And then obviously I was working part-time in retail. So I started up just a Facebook page after so much pressure from my friends just to help other people save money, help people find these coupons because, you know, my friends are like, come on, Emma, like you're obviously really good at this. Like, you know, share it with other people. I'm sure there's other people out there who maybe have the same situation as yourself or slightly different. And, you know, everybody wants to save money on the everyday essentials. So I started up this little Facebook page and thought nothing of it. I thought, who am I? You know, we've got Martin Lewis. We've got all these fantastic money saving experts. And within six months, the press kind of got wind of what I was doing. It obviously really took off. I think the page had about like 100,000 followers at that time. And then over the Christmas period, I was in the press for doing like thousands of pounds worth of shops for like three pound and donating to charities, etc. And it really just brought me so much joy to 
use money positively and to help other people as well. So the page then turned into a business after a year. Again, never, ever knew how to turn it into a business or that it ever would be a business. And I really, really enjoyed that for so many years. And I got named the coupon queen in the press. So that's where spiritual queen comes from. And then in 2016, fast forward a bit, I'd run that money saving business for about five years at that point. And I then had my second spiritual awakening. Um, sorry, my first spiritual awakening, my second breakup. There was only one awakening, um, but it came with the second ex-boyfriend. So uh, unfortunately, my depression kind of stayed with me throughout that period. It never sort of truly went. It just lingered and was getting worse and worse and worse until I just didn't really recognize myself. And it gone way past anxiety to more suicidal thoughts to depression and then kind of him leaving and leaving me in more debt and you know really hurting me because it's quite an emotionally abusive relationship it it was just like the final straw for me I was just like I'm either gonna have to end it all or change my life and I thought well how do I change my life around you know this is all I've known this kind of like depression and death and having my heart broken for like six odd years so it, it was a really kind of pivotal point in my life. And so I had my spiritual awakening and then I'd almost sort of incorporated lifestyle into my money saving business anyway. So I kind of started to separate without even knowing. Um, and then I started incorporating the law of attraction when I found it through my awakening and people were really positively loving it as well, which was great. And then I just thought about a year later, do you know what? I want to do this full time. This is what really lights me up. This feels like my passion. I love helping people and I'd outgrow my money saving business, not because I don't love saving money. Still today, you'll probably see me with a coupon, but because, you know, it, it needed a team of people to grow it, to expand it. And also I'd outgrown it as well in terms of like wanting to follow my spiritual path. Emma, that's such an amazing story. And the thing that I'm most intrigued in about your journey is your spiritual awakening. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Of course. So like I said, it, it got triggered off when I broke up with my second ex-boyfriend. And I just remember looking out of the window at like 2am at night and thinking, I'm either going to have to end my life or change my life. And I asked for help. And, you know, I wasn't particularly religious person you know as a child you know God was always kind of there and we just kind of like used to say grace and things like that but I think throughout my kind of younger adult years I definitely suppressed that and was like no I don't believe in anything because I thought well why would a God let these bad things happen to me or why would you know I felt I felt like I was being punished I guess so and you know obviously there are a lot worse things going on in the world and I think I looked at that as well and was like why do we live in a world where these things happen and mm -hmm. Five days later, that help came. I remember saying, you know, God, you know, if you're real, just help me. And it came in the form of law of attraction. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing this term everywhere, all of a sudden, having never seen it before in my life. And I thought, oh, law of attraction, what's this? And I thought maybe it was a way to manifest love because of the word attraction. And I started to do lots of research into it and came across Louise Hay, came across The Secret, and just really, really kind of immersed myself into learning about the law of attraction because for the first time in my life, something made sense. Something clicked in me where I was having this remembrance of, of course, this is right. Of course, the law of attraction is true. Of course, you know, I can change my life around. And, you know, at the time, my friends and family thought I was probably crazy, like going <laughs> from, you know, depressive state of wanting to end everything to them being like three weeks later I've naturally cured my depression through this book through self-love through all these gratitude practices and you know I think everyone around me thought hang on a minute what has she just done and I think they thought you know because obviously it was quite taboo and still is in some places you know I think they thought well how can she just have manifested this how could she just be positive so for me it was you know an incredible first month of discovery because I was able to feel so good so quickly bearing in mind I'd had that depression for you know about six years nearly Wow, that is amazing. And for anyone that's listening that doesn't know about manifestation and what the law of attraction is, can you just very briefly explain that? 
course. So the law of attraction is one of the seven laws of the universe. And the law of attraction, the easiest way to describe it is like a big mirror. So what you put out into the world comes back to you. A bit like karma, a bit like a boomerang. What you're putting out there comes back to you. So we've all had it where we've, you know, something annoying's happened and then we've told someone and then we told somebody else. We're like, gosh, that's just so annoying. And then by the end of the day, um, you know, other annoying things might have happened and you've just gone, oh, it's just one of those days. Like, what Mm. is with today? And then on the flip side, you've also had those days where something positive might happen. You go and tell a friend, go tell your partner, tell someone else, like, look how amazing this is. And then something else positive happens and something else positive happens until you end the day and say, God, today's just been my lucky day. That's awesome. And this is the law of attraction in action. What we put our energy towards, you know, what we say, our words have power, our energy, all of this, this is creating our reality. So it's a co-creation where you and the universe work together to manifest whatever it is you would like into your reality. So you could manifest emotions, how you would like to feel. You can manifest, you know, money, materialistic things, house, love, absolutely anything you can think of you can manifest into your life amazing i absolutely love um manifestation law of attraction and i i've always been really into it myself and again i can't remember the exact point where i started to understand about it but i think it's probably i read the secret i probably i think somebody lent me the dvd of the secret do you remember the the film that they made um i think that that's how i first sort of got into it and something which i often tell people when i'm talking to people about it is it doesn't need to be done instead of any religious belief so if there's anybody listening who is religious in some way you can still do manifestation and law of attraction without it going against anything that you believe from a religious point of view and i always almost feel that that's quite important to point out it's it's not a religion in any way is it and it definitely doesn't go against any other religions no definitely not and you know I think I was probably quite atheist when I found it and mm. I think it's just believing more you know whether whatever whatever gods you pray to or even if you don't want to pray to a god you know you can use the universe god source or even your higher self, that's the beautiful thing about spirituality is that you can completely tailor it to you. It's a personal relationship. It's not saying that anything has to look a certain way. It's, you know, how you feel and what feels in alignment for you. Definitely. And something which I've sort of really come to understand, particularly over the last few years, is it isn't just about writing down what you want, visualising it and doing the gratitudes. There often has to be a little bit of messy work done too. And the more you can take time to do that inner work or that shadow work or inner child work, whatever you want to call it, but basically working through those blockages that we all have inside us, the easier manifestation and the law of attraction becomes. Is that your experience too, that actually you do need to do that, that sort of inner work alongside all of those other practices? Absolutely. And, you know, there are three steps to the law of attraction, ask, believe, receive, which echo throughout the secret and many Mm -hmm. teachings. But what I found through actually going through my manifestation process and like manifesting my dream life as such was that it just wasn't that simple. Life's Mm -hmm you know, life's just not that simple. And, you know, the secret was written like 16 years ago, I think it is now. So, you know, we've evolved so much since then. So my, my five steps, sorry, are ask, which is, you know, putting your intentions out there, being clear, that could be through words, through writing, through a vision board, visualization, you know, all of these are asking. So get really crystal clear. Don't just say, I want to manifest the dream house, Mm. write a list down of like, you know, what color carpets would you like you know would you like a garden how many bedrooms would you like get really specific because again that clarity you have is going to get mirrored back to you from the universe so being clear is really really important and then the second step is believing so this is where the inner work happens Mm -hmm. so a lot of the time people will set their intentions and then be met with fears limiting beliefs resistance and they're like whoa where's this come from so what we do in the belief step is yes obviously you know believe that the universe can serve it believe that we can co-create with the universe but equally as well looking at what stands in between us and our manifestation so with that house do you feel resistance do you feel worthy of that house you know ask yourself these kind of internal questions of what 
what makes you fear manifesting this house? Why does it not feel safe to receive this house? And what you can do with that kind of internal conversation is then determine whether there's beliefs or fears there. Um, but, you know, that's a really simple, simple example. You know, if you were looking at love, for example, there may be even more deeper work to do. And I think, you know, from going along this journey for what, four and a half years now, what you know when I was manifesting all these incredible things within the first year yes there was inner work to do of course going from that state of depression to you know actually feeling like myself and loving myself for the first time in my life but even now further on along the journey I see like oh there is inner work always to do and it, it you know it shouldn't be a negative thing like the inner work can be fun mm -hmm. but again it's just you know looking at those triggers looking at any resistance any fears or beliefs that come up and just working with it. Definitely. And it's almost like I look at it as layers of an onion. So you work through certain blockages or beliefs that might be holding you back and then you realise you uncover a few more and then you need to work through those. So it is a continuous process. I think very few people get to the point where they don't have any of those blockages with anything. So, And there's nothing wrong with having those either. They can often really open our eyes and awaken us to what has been holding us back, but also to what we want in the future as well. So that there's nothing wrong with that. And emotional freedom techniques are really good thing. If anybody is trying to think, well, how can I work out what blockages I've got and how can I quickly and easily release them without perhaps going through years and years of therapy. EFT is great, isn't it, for that? I love EFT. Mm. I am such a preacher of EFT <laughs> because I remember the first time I did it, a friend I'd met online in like a law of attraction group right at the beginning of my journey, she'd said, try this video because I think I was just feeling like really unworthy of love after the breakup and mm -hmm. I didn't know what self-love was at that time and I remember doing one of Brad Yates videos and then just crying afterwards and I was like why am I crying what's happening <laughs> to me and it was like this release that kind of relief over my body of like I could exhale and be like oh so I am a big preacher of it. It's so, so good. And one of the things which you pointed out, which I think is also really important in the manifestation journey, is that first stage, that setting the intentions and asking. Now, that can often be quite difficult. I mean, I've worked with clients for about 16 years now. For years, I did a lot of well-being coaching and meditation. And obviously now, over the last sort of decade or so, I do much more face yoga. But I find even when I'm working with people training to be face yoga teachers, one of the things that some people do find very difficult is actually knowing exactly what they want. So I always recommend that they actually sit down and they write down what their dream week or month or year would look like when it comes to setting up their face yoga teaching and their business. And sometimes that can be a little bit tricky for people because I think we are so used to just doing what we think other people expect of us or what we think society expects of us or just going with the flow and seeing what happens and seeing where life takes us that we're often not in that practice which of saying, if I could wave a magic wand today and this is what my life would look like, then this is it. it that's quite tricky in itself, isn't it? That actually deciding what we want. Definitely. And I remember at the beginning of my journey thinking like when I was creating this vision board, what on earth do I want yeah. to manifest? What does this dream life look like? Mm. And one tip I really give as well is I, I say, you know, look at all areas of your life. So I do this in my book, Positively Wealthy, but a good little analogy is to look at your life as a garden. So each little area of roses, of flowers, of bushes, whatever is an area of your life. And you think about it in a garden, you know, where you put your energy, when you water, you nourish those plants and flowers, they're going to grow with that sunlight, with that love, with that energy. But if you're not giving those or certain areas of your life, certain plants, love and care and attention, you know, they're going to wither, they're not going to thrive, they're not going to grow. So it's really, you know, making sure that you're giving to all areas of your life, but equally how this can help you determine what you want is you know, write down on a list of paper or, or visualize this garden with all these different areas as different plants, for example, and look at what's thriving, look at what's feeling good, ask yourself what areas of my life feel positively wealthy to me, and then look at what areas that don't feel positively wealthy. So you could rate them out of 10, one being not very positively wealthy, 10 being I feel incredibly wealthy, 
and look at the areas of your life where you don't feel so wealthy and that's where the work needs to go and then ask yourself okay what part of this life so say it was your career for example and you don't feel very positively wealthy you would say okay why don't I feel wealthy in this area of my life why don't I feel this part of my garden is thriving and flourishing and it might be maybe you're in a toxic work environment maybe you feel underappreciated whatever it is and that is how you determine what you want to manifest by working out what you don't like in your life and what you don't want and turning it into what you do want that is such good advice and I do think it's important that we take that time quite regularly to do that because I look back at some of my old notebooks from sort of 10 years ago or so and what I wrote down then and firstly it's lovely to see the things that have been manifested and things that have happened but also what I would write down today would be very very different to that so it is fine to constantly change your list or your vision board isn't it? definitely and I've done this many times (laughs) so yes it's definitely okay to do so if you want to burn a list or a vision board or something to surrender it up to the universe that's what I normally do I normally say like thank you universe for all the manifestations that have come into fruition but I now release these and then I will write a list and intend that that's the list or that's the vision board that I want to move forward with so you definitely can change your mind with stuff you know the universe is always listening it's always responding to your vibes your vibrations so it always knows sometimes before even you do exactly exactly and when someone has done that so they've written down exactly what they want what would you say then the next step would be? Of course. So we've done our second step, which is believe. So mm-hmm. looking at that inner work, moving through that phase where you're removing any resistance or anything that stands in between you and your manifestation. And then you move on to the third step, which is a new step, which I believe is just as important, which is trust. So trust is, you know, trusting in the universe, trusting in divine timing, trusting in this process at the perfect time and in the perfect way this manifestation will come to you. But it's also the step where I say to take your inspired action. So like I said, this is co-creation. The universe is not just going to, you know, knock on the door and say, hey, you've been sat on your sofa. Here's all the abundance in the world. You know, you have to take inspired action and meet the universe halfway. So if you wanted to manifest that new job or that new career, you would you know make sure your cv or your resume was you know up to scratch you might buy an outfit for your interviews you might apply for jobs and see what's out there so this is inspired action so that trusting stage is really trusting that the universe has heard you the wheels are in motion it's happening but you're meeting the universe halfway and you know you're trusting in in divine timing with as such And then our fourth step, which is another new step, is letting go and surrendering, which is one step I definitely needed to master heavily. (laughs) Do you know, I think everybody does. And it is an ongoing process with that one. Oh, constant, isn't it? Because (laughs) I catch myself and I'm like, oh, there we go. You Mm -hmm. need to let go and surrender even more. Um, So, you know, it's not like a do it once and you're kind of clean like a shower. You know, you have to have regular showers to stay clean. And with letting go and surrendering, you know, again, it's just tuning into where you're feeling that resistance. If you're feeling particularly attached. So that step, you know, it sounds a bit backwards because we are, you know, the universe is like, ask believe trust and then it's like Mm. just let it go just surrender it all and you know some people say but Emma you know we should be focusing on like wanting this so badly and putting all our energy and visualization but that is attachment. If you are feeling attached to your desire and like you need and you want it to happen so badly, this is only going to get reflected back to you in that desperation, in that want, in that need. So again, look at that energetic match. And in this step, it's really important to act as if, which is a term quite used thoroughly in law of attraction of becoming that version of yourself who has this desire. So think about it. If that version of you had that job, had that house, had that relationship, You wouldn't be sat there obsessing. You wouldn't be sat there like looking at your phone, waiting for that person to text. You wouldn't be, you know, feeling that want and desperation. You'd feel happy. You'd feel relaxed. You'd be going with the flow. So this is why this step is important, because it's becoming okay with both outcomes, your manifestation happening and it not happening, which can be hard. It's, you know when you've done all that work and you really want that manifestation, you know, it's not saying that it's not going to happen, but when you can find peace with both outcomes and that there are always other ways for things to happen, sometimes better than 
we can even, you know, conceive in our minds because when we manifest, you know, we should always say this or something better for the highest good of all. Because if you're restricting yourself and only wanting to manifest like £10,000, but actually the universe wants to give you £50,000, that can sometimes be why the manifestation isn't happening. And it's not because you, you're not worthy or it's not going to happen. It's because sometimes we, we're in our own way sometimes. So that surrendering and letting go process is so important to become okay with both outcomes, surrender it and flow, become that version of ourselves who has that desire, that energetic match. And then number five is receive, which obviously you can celebrate with because your manifestation's here. And again, really express that gratitude when you receive your desires because, you know, you've done it. You've co-created, the universe has served it to you. Like take that time to be present and take that time to, to be grateful for it. That's so important. And it's interesting because as I listen to you talk, I think about those sort of first three steps. And I know that I am really good at doing those. The fourth step, I'm getting better and better at. And I can think of lots of examples over my life when I manifested something, but there was so much desperation there and so much impatience there, then it actually didn't come into fruition and other times where I manifested something which didn't feel like a big deal. I just thought it would be nice to do that or be nice to have that. And it just comes so easily. But I still find to this day, despite practicing all of this super regularly, that that patience and that just letting go. So once you've done all that inner work and once you've written everything down that you want, you've done your visualization, just to say, okay, I can just let it be and let it go now. And I quite like the analogy of of doing an online order. You know, you put in an online order of something and you're not constantly waiting at home, not doing anything, waiting for that parcel to come into you or constantly checking your emails to see if that parcel's been delivered yet. You just put the order in, you trust it is going to come in three to five days and then it comes. And that analogy helps me with that patience part. But interesting, as you say, the the fifth part as well, I know that I don't maybe celebrate um, achievements enough. So often when something which maybe I've worked for years on through manifestation, but through action as well, comes into fruition, I probably don't spend enough time celebrating that and having gratitude for that. It's so easy just to have that moment where you go, oh, great, that's nice. And then you move on or your mind goes elsewhere. Absolutely. And this is why I wrote my second book, Positively Wealthy, because I was that person. I became Mm -hmm. a manic manifester, as Gabby Bernstein says. And I was like, I just didn't know when to stop. And because I'm a Virgo, it's like in my DNA to just like tick everything off a list and be like, yes. And, you know, I'm not saying like manifesting is addictive. I wasn't addicted to it, but it was like, you know, it felt good. And I think embrace where we're actually at and I manifested everything off my vision board within I think two years it was and mm-hmm. even selling my previous business and mm-hmm. I thought at that moment that money would change my life and you know it was life-changing money I'd be able to like buy myself a first house and all of these things and then when the money hit my account I was like oh I feel no different <laughs> like yeah I'm incredibly grateful obviously like it's an incredible achievement but I feel no different inside. And it was because I'd said that garden analogy of I'd neglected that personal side of my garden, like the work side of the garden was like flourishing, blooming, green, luscious. But the personal side, because I was just focusing on all the positivity and focusing on what was going well in my life, trying to keep myself positive and good law of attraction, I was avoiding, you know, the actual inner work, the real stuff that needed to happen in order to feel fulfilled and feel the true gratitude and just presentness of just being. And I think it's really important to witness if, you know, when we do that, because, you know, that that is some little work that (laughs) needs to be done as well. And, you know, I think we just need to take a step back sometimes and actually just put the manifestations down and just be present and just be appreciative and just really celebrate ourselves as well of like how hard we work and like you know you've done that work you've manifested that desire you've done all that inner work and again just allowing yourself to be present not think right what's next yeah That's so true. And if we don't do that, then what is life about? You know, if we're only always about the goals and then when we achieve the goals, we don't feel that much about it. It doesn't feel that great. And we haven't particularly enjoyed the journey. Then 
then what's the point? You know, we we lose the purpose of life and we lose the joy. And that's all that really matters, isn't it? The joy in life. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're in that vibration of joy, when you're having fun, when, you know, when you're in those emotions, those vibes, you know, that is the vibration of abundance. That Mm -hmm. is what helps you to manifest. So the more that you feel joy and the more that you feel fun and happiness in everything you do, even the small things like folding the laundry or walking the dog or whatever it is, you know, those small moments can manifest into bigger moments and create that momentum and consistency where you feel happy and you feel, you know, more flowing and free, like consistently, more frequently. Definitely. And I would probably say, and I don't know if you would agree, I'd probably say that if people listening don't do anything else, if they just simply can focus more on the present moment and the joy in life and the gratitude of that, then that in itself is going to manifest great things. Even if someone says, right, I'm not going to sit down and write a list of what I want or manifest things or do all the inner work. Simply that gratitude and joy can be life shifting and life changing in itself. There's so much attraction to the law of attraction, ironically, of, you know, get the money, get the house, get the love, get everything you've Mm -hmm. ever wanted. But actually, when you really, you know, the law of attraction is, I would say, like the entry level of spirituality. And then when you really kind of like dig deeper and dig into the work and dig into all these reasons why you want to manifest these things, you know, you realize that actually gratitude is like, oh, the best thing in life that presentness I mean like I said I really struggled to let go and surrender before and I just looking back I'm like how did I live my life like no wonder (laughs) I was stressed no wonder I was unhappy like I wasn't present at all yet when I really like because I was very much in my masculine energy which is very much the manifesting energy Mm -hmm. when I learned to embrace my divine feminine and really worked with my feminine energy I manifested from a whole new space of flow of ease and I was like oh my gosh like I wish I'd found this from the beginning yeah and how did you get into that more defined feminine energy it was hard it was really hard Um, because you know the divine masculine in me because you know we have both energies within us all Mm -hmm. I was so used to like you know executing working working hard achieving things achieving goals all of this that's very the masculine energy whereas the feminine is that very inwards journey of that deep inner work and it really started when I had like my second awakening as such um, back in 2019 where I had a reading with one of my good friends and he said, you know, this year is about embracing the divine feminine. And I was like, what are you on about, George? Like, of course <laughs> I do. And now I look back, I was like, oh my God, I knew nothing. I knew nothing at that point. So yeah. for me, it was just, you know, like even the simplest of things of like giving gratitude for my periods and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, I'd really kind of neglected that part of me and I don't know why. I guess it was that masculine energy that had always been there of like, oh, it's an annoyance. Oh, it's a nuisance. So actually re- just really reconnecting to myself as a woman, like really, really helped me. That inner work, of course, going in, doing the inner work, healing, and really just having an inwards year where instead of forcing, instead of pushing, instead of having to achieve things, I actually just flowed. I allowed. And again, like with that 50-50 with the universe, with co-creation, you know, if we're going 90% of the way, the universe can't meet us at 50% because there's no space in our life for that manifestation. There's no space for the universe to meet us. So again, for me, it was actually learning to receive. It was learning to actually, instead of forcing things to happen and making things happen in life, which is that very masculine energy, actually, when you can manifest from your 50%, obviously still take your inspired action, but I taught myself how to fully receive and be held in that feminine energy manifestations were easy. And I was like, gosh, like, this is so, like, why is this not spoken about more? Yeah, that's so important. I think for all of us, whether we're male or female listening to this. And how has life changed for you since last year, since you had this second spiritual awakening? How have you felt inside? How have things externally been for you? So I actually went along this journey when I kind of had the download for my second book. And Mm. when I wrote Positively Wealthy, I thought it's definitely going to be about you know, obviously wealth and worth and money, of course, from like my money saving days and banking days to obviously spiritual money now. 
But as I kind of went along that journey and went along this journey myself, I realized that I needed that book. And it, you know, wealth is not just materialistic things or or anything like that. You know, I I didn't know what my version of wealth was. And my version of wealth was very different to what society had me believe wealth meant. So for me, it was redefining my version of wealth and actually exploring that and going deep into that work. And actually through finishing that book and that book coming out into the world this year, really, you know, I look back to that version of myself and I just, you know, we're different people, completely different people where I'm able to prioritize what really is my version of wealth now. I'm able to look at all areas of my life and make sure they feel positively wealthy. I'm able to manifest with ease, with flow. I don't have to force things. And more than anything, you know, I've been able to heal trauma from my childhood, trauma from obviously the emotionally abusive relationship as well. And again, it's like, you know, I'm only 26 going 27, you know, I'm very young still, but each year I'm like, I'm meeting a new version of myself and I'm feeling myself, like, I feel like I know myself with each year and happier each year as well. And I think it's just like you said, with the onion analogy of realizing that, you know, healing is not linear. It's not just going to happen, you know, whether it's a, a big thing or a small thing, you know, stuff can obviously shift quite quickly, of course. But again, when you're really doing the work as such, it is an ongoing thing. It's not something that just stops. You know, we are here to learn. That is the whole point of us being here on this earth is we are in the school of life as such. We have a divine assignments, soul contracts, all of these things where we come here to learn those soul lessons. So mm -hmm. the work never officially stops, but, you know, you'll focus on different things as you go along and different things will feel important and then they'll kind of feel peaceful and happy. And, you know, we have different phases of our life where we're more drawn to work, we're more drawn to personal life. And it's just, you know, embodied those cyclic natures that we have and looking at okay like last year for me was definitely more of an inwards year going into that feminine going into that real deep inner work whereas this year uh, although 2020s look very different to what I'm sure we all thought it would be <laughs> you know it's been more of an outer experience for me where you know I've been able to actually focus on work a bit more and actually you know achieve some incredible things and you know, achieve some manifestations as well. So, you know, we all have those years where it's more inwards, more outer and different focuses. Yeah, absolutely. And something which I found really interesting listening to one of your podcasts. And if anyone doesn't know your podcast, they're so worth checking out. They are really, really good and a great place actually to access more of what you're talking about. But something which I thought was really interesting is about how you grew up with a really good, healthy relationship with money. Now, over the years when I've done wellbeing coaching with clients and just been working with people through what I do, one of the sort of big blockages that many people have is money and wealth. And often this does come from thoughts and feelings about money from childhood. And I'm really intrigued, both from a professional, but also a, a personal point of view about how you found having quite a healthy relationship when you're younger. I mean, I'm a mother of, of two little girls and I'm really keen for them to grow up with, well, with a healthy relationship to everything, to be honest, but, you know, definitely to money as well. So I'm really intrigued to know how you were brought up with a healthy relationship to money. I know you have gone through not so healthy relationships with money, obviously, when you had to go through working through your ex-boyfriend's debt, etc. So you know things from both sides. Mm. But can you just talk us a little bit about that? Because I think that that'd be really interesting for people to hear, particularly if they are parents. Of course. And I think, you know, I'm not a parent myself yet. But one mm. thing I think, you know, we have to remember is that there is no handbook with parenting. And I'm sure yeah. when I do become a parent, I'm going to be thinking, oh my God, all these things I thought I know, I know nothing. I know. And, you know, we can't always get things right. And, you know, although I had like a really good relationship with money growing up, you know, there were definitely other areas that weren't healthy, which, you know, I've I've worked on now within a child work with healing, et cetera. So I think, you know, it's, you can only do the best you can. As mm -hmm. humans, we are only ever doing the best we can. But in terms of how, you know, my parents brought me up with money, etc., was, you know, we were always very comfortable. Um, my dad was self-employed. My mum was a nurse. So, you know, they're very hardworking, you know, role models to look up to, definitely. 
And dad always used to, you know, allow me to like pack his parcels for him as a young kid. Now I look back, I'm like, I never got paid for that, but I saw it as fun. <laughs> I saw it as fun at the time. And, um, you know, it was nice to see my dad, you know, do that and live his passion as well. And, you know, on the flip side, when I kind of went into my teenage years, and interestingly, when my dad's business was doing really well, I actually went to private school for a couple of years, but they were actually the worst years of my childhood. I really enjoyed going to public school because everyone was like me and I just, you know, there was no pressure. There was no, you know, none of the weirdness that happens at private school sometimes. You know, I actually really enjoyed my public school years. So I think that was an interesting perspective to go through as well from my parents' side of things and me as the child as well. And then when I was kind of in my teenage years and I was um, at public school and, you know, going through my hormones and boyfriends and all of this, um, you know, my dad actually lost his business. Like when the mobile phone industry kind of turned to more high street shops instead of going to suppliers like him, um, you know, he just didn't have a demand for business anymore. So things got really tight. Now, as a younger child, I guess I didn't really pick up on this. I didn't really see it. I just thought oh, you know, why aren't my parents letting me go see my friends this weekend? Why won't they drive me here? Why won't they do these things? Yet later on when I had these conversations with my dad, you know, he would say to me, Emma, I had like five pounds to put in the petrol tank that week, like, but we just didn't want you to feel like you were missing out. So like, I really respected them for still making sure, you know, I had everything that I needed in life, despite them going through real financial difficulties. And then they sold the house we had and we moved into a different house, which was just as lovely. And I think for me at that point, obviously, I was like 14, I think. And we were, you know, they were telling me to like, you know, do you want to go get a job? So you've got some more of your own money. And I remember getting like £2.50 pocket money a week and thinking like, my friends get £20. Why how is this fair? <laughs> but I made it work. Mm. Still, my money saving self made it work, even at the tender age of like 13, 14. So at 14, I went and got a job, um, my first job at like a catering place. So we did like weddings and events. And I really loved it. I loved seeing all the weddings. Like I would like, you know, put my dream wedding together. And it was really nice to be taking home like decent amounts of money for a 14 year old as well. So from a young age, I definitely had that work ethic. And like, I definitely feel that, you know, my parents encouraged me to work for for a lot of things, you know, like if I wanted a car, if I wanted anything, you know, they would say, you know, like, go and work for it, like, you know, go to your job, etc. And I do think that really helped me because it taught me the value of money. And it also really pushed me then when I left school to then, was I going to university? Would I go into employment to actually trust my intuition and be like no I really want to go into employment so that I can work towards having my own business be financially independent and you know do the things that I wanted to do so you know I know that's maybe not the upbringing that everyone will have but you can definitely heal this relationship with money and again like I think if you're a parent I think it's you know just teaching your children that you know yes you can have things in life but it's almost like being the universe a little bit yourself of saying you know like that co-creation process of if you want these things put your intentions out there and, and you've got to take the inspired action as well mm-hmm. absolutely and I think that's the case not only with money but with all aspects of life because I think when it comes to manifestation it is quite easy to start off thinking about it from a money point of view but often if we start thinking about everything else in our life about healing our relationships about healing our or relationship with ourselves and with others about looking after our health about creating joy the money then tends to come afterwards anyway doesn't it so if anyone listening is thinking about trying to manifest money I don't know about you, but I'd probably say that my advice would lie with working on lots of other areas first. And then that that does come naturally. Yeah, I mean, you know, that definitely does work. It's called like getting in the stream of abundance as mm-hmm. such, you know, and I always say, like, imagine it like a stream, a river, you know, if you go and stand in a river and you're like trying to force things in places and you're like, I want this, I want this, you know, you're going to block the stream of the water. It's not going to flow. You're going to be just a, a great big block in the river. Yeah. Whereas if you allow yourself to sit in the river and be held and just allow yourself to flow, you're going to be in that stream of abundance. So 
absolutely, you know, you need to make sure your vibration's feeling good, that overall your vibration is in a good place to be in that stream of abundance where money and all forms of manifestations could come to you. But again, you know, I would definitely say if you know you have uh, maybe troublesome relationship with money or you're you're not putting positive words when I say you know describe to me what your relationship with money is mm. you do need to address that because otherwise if you focus on other areas and then don't address you know your actual relationship with it then you know you're still going to have those blocks in that stream of abundance no matter what you do so yes obviously making sure your vibration is is good overall you're having fun overall absolutely does help with just sometimes even when you're not necessarily setting intentions you can just feel in that space and money and happiness and little surprises just come to you without even having to think of them so yes absolutely sometimes where we can just focus on other things and just take our minds off and not distract ourselves but almost just take the pressure off Mm -hmm. you allow you allow that that stream to flow Definitely. And you're in that that feeling and that um, vibration of abundance and abundance comes in so many forms for sure. And something which I would like to do, Emma, before we finish is do a little bit of a quick fire round if you're up for that, just to know about a few of your favourite things. I'm here for it. Let's yes. go. <laughs> OK, so what's your favourite book? Oh, you can't ask me that. You can say your own if you like. Oh, no, I'm not going to say my own, but I have like about 100 books on that list. Um, okay, I'm going to say The Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein. Love it. Your favourite song? Oh, gosh. Again, this is so hard. Uh, oh, I'm going to say Coldplay Paradise. Nice. Your favourite colour? Orange. Yeah. Your favourite crystal? Oh, God, these are really much harder than I thought they would be because I just have so many. (laughs) I'm going to say amethyst. Okay. Your favourite wellness or meditation technique? I love chakra meditations. They're my favourite ones to do. And I just feel you can do so much with chakra meditations as well. Wonderful. Your favourite season? definitely autumn I love a bit of heat but I love all the like kind of autumnal leaves jumper weather all of that great your favorite star sign um I guess my own I would say my own right Virgo (laughs) you're amazing do you know what your rising and your moon sign are as well yeah so I'm an Aries rising so that (laughs) explains why my dad and I um sometimes fiery because he's an Aries sun sign um and I'm an Aquarius moon okay great um your favorite podcast I would say the Higher Self podcast by Sahara Rose. I love that one. I love that one too. That's amazing. Um, your favourite beauty product? Oh, definitely concealer. <laughs> <laughs> love a bit of concealer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, your favourite happy place? In nature, definitely. Probably the beach. I would go even more specific of being at the beach. I love being by nature and by the sea. Me too. I would say beach all day long. And finally, your top tip for inner peace? Surrender. As Gabby Bernstein would say, and this is why I said the universe has your back, this book generally changed my life in terms of learning to surrender. And she says, when you think you surrendered, surrender more. And I think my tip would also be you know, trust in the universe. The universe has your back and, you know, what you want is coming towards you. It is always coming towards you. And the more you can surrender, the more you can flow with life, you're going to be that magnet to abundance. That is absolutely brilliant. And Emma, if people would like to get in contact with you, read your books, listen to your podcast, watch your YouTube, where's the best best place to get in contact with you? Of course. Thank you. So you can find me on all social medias, which uh, with my handle at I am Emma Mumford, which is spelled Mumford and Sons. And you can find me over on my website, which is emmamumford.co.uk. Thank you so much, Emma. You've been an absolute wealth of knowledge, no pun intended there. And you have really been a wonderful guest. So thank you for being on the Face Yoga Expert podcast. Oh, thank you, Danielle. It's been so much fun. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. 
If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.